Hello and welcome to Zip Radio Podcasts powered by Accelerate. I'm your host Madhura and the topic for today's episode is Are we drowning in healthcare data? In this episode, we try to understand the different types of healthcare data. Continuing the discussion from the previous episode on interoperability in healthcare data, Pankaj Jain, Senior Vice President Health Tech at Accelerate, joins me as my co-host in this episode. Health tech expert and technology leader Arun Meer Chandani joins us again with Srinivasan Venkatraman, who is the AVP Operations at Accelerate, to discuss the challenges in healthcare data. So welcome on board, Arun, Srini and Pankaj. Thanks, Madhura, for that nice introduction and welcome, everybody. So just to start and set the context, so according to, I was just reading one of the IDC reports and it says like the volume of healthcare data in 2013 was about 153 exabytes. And in 2020, it is projected we will have about over 2,300 exabytes of healthcare data. That is 15 times more data just in last seven years. And as many of you know, one exabyte is 1 billion gigabytes of, right? So do you think we are drowning in healthcare data today? Wait another few years and it will explode. So with that, Arun, uh, let me turn to you and ask in your opinion, how you conceptualize this drowning in the health data concept? First of all, thanks Pankaj for giving me this opportunity. It's in a series of discussions that we've been having around healthcare and some of the challenges. And today, we're going to be touching mostly on what I call too much of a good thing. You know, the, the, the saying goes that, you know, be careful of what you ask for. And in case of healthcare data, we have really a big problem plaguing us right now. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it is the data that's ultimately going to help solve the biggest challenges we are facing in healthcare, which is improving outcomes and reducing costs and improving care quality. But today, the way the data exists, have what I call a data deluge disorder, DDT. And so we'll talk more as the conversation goes, but yeah, we have too much of a good thing going on right now. Exactly. And Shini, what do you think from in your opinion? How do you conceptualize being in this industry for over 20 years and working with the teams? And how do you conceptualize this concept? First of all, thanks, Pankesh, and thanks for the introduction. And it is good to meet uh, the same group in the second series of our health tech conversation. And more the merrier, uh, they say, but especially with data, it's a dangerous thing because the more we accumulate, how well we handle the data is key to success. So to your point, drowning in data is pretty apt. It resonates well to the conversation. I think the due diligence aspect is more important according to what I've seen in the industry and our experiences, asking the right questions during the due diligence and the discovery. Some of them I'll quote here, which will help, and we can talk more in the further conversation. I think we have to ask our customers, hey, are you looking for ingesting and interpreting data from multiple sources? What is the scope? Understanding the target audience and their usability. And is the system is really for clinical use or inventory management or reporting? You can name it. There are several variants. Asking that question is very important to design the schema better and which will eventually help in the analytical needs and the governance. And the third one is during the design, we need to be very clear in architecting our solution to separate our inconsequential data and actionable data. The data is huge. The actionable data will separate us from drowning. We will float very well on the floor. We don't get drowned if it's separated. 
And another thing is, will our insights, whatever actionable data that you have separated, will it flow very well in the downstream system? Will it integrate very well with our EHR? Will it very well integrate with our hospital management system or claims processing or orders management? These are all some of the things which over the period of years, we have mastered this area to make sure that we do the due diligence, ask the right questions, make sure we design the system and avoid the customer from drowning in the data, to be precisely to answer your question, Pakesh. It sounds good. So, Arun, let me turn it to you. Like, given description, a big thing, as I heard the words, like, there are many types of different data and all the different things. So, maybe what we should do is, like, kind of discuss briefly, like, what, in your opinion, we see as the different kinds of data or the hierarchy or any pyramid or whatever you think. And then it conceptualizes for everyone, like, okay, we are talking the same language, right? Yeah, uh, good question. Just as a little background, uh, you know, I classify three broad categories of healthcare data. There is obviously the most important and critical one is what we call the clinical data or the patient data, which is either stored in EMRs or stored in all sorts of siloed data, data lakes created by the likes of Apple on smartwatches and Fitbit. Then there is obviously the operational or administrative data, which is collected by all the health systems, whether it is staffing levels, patient census levels, things like lengths of stay, you know, pensions, turnover rates, all of those types of things. There are all around the operations of a healthcare delivery. And then the final and probably the most important really is the payer or the claims data, which is really where, you know, the economics of healthcare are obviously the most important one, and payers ultimately have access to all of that data. So figuring out which treatments are working, which treatments are not working, how much should a treatment cost, what are the outlier events that can, you know, make the expenses go up, what pharmaceutical combinations are working, all of that is part of the claims data. So again, kind of three broad categories, you know, the patient data, the clinical data, the operational or the administrative data, and finally the claims are the Actually, that's how I see it. Srini, you have any thoughts? Absolutely. I think uh, it's a good segue. And uh, thanks, Arun. And claims data, because that is a source of income for our target customers, like a hospitals or covered entities and pharmacies. So think about it. We Every day, the accumulation of data is huge. As per your introduction, Pankaj, it goes in megabytes, exabytes. Handling the volume of data on all these categories, first is it keeps data keeps flowing. So how do you handle, how do you channelize it? And then I will take a couple of examples with respect to claims data and EHR, EMR workflow and how well we use our EDI exchange capabilities. So typically what happens is in claims data, we work with uh, either hospitals or pharmacies. The data comes from either a switch or a pharmacy like a Cardinal Health, Relay Health, or from the respective pharmacy chains. And the customers have their legal contract, they bound by the rules. And as a software development partner, what we do, we extract the data by creating a communication channel, a data transmission connection layer. So we need to make sure that uptime, downtime, 
time is managed well and the service level agreement within certain time we need to make sure the data flows in loaded and processes pretty well so in this data collection mechanism there is a specific hierarchical rules first is we call this a raw data the raw data is assets we don't want to tamper with it store it and then do the massaging slicing and dicing and we move it to the claim switch and from claims which it goes to claims data by processing lot of rules to typically you know claims is all about paid and reversals how much is paid and how much is the reversal and then these claims whatever we have captured captured claims in the 340b world or a enterprise pharmacy solutions that gets counted into the inventory and that inventory will be managed for placing orders like a virtual inventory for our customers and apart from these layers there is another caveat to it is a drug price because finally you need to match a price a dollar value to it and the drug price is almost a daily load and a weekly load which is a volume of data as well so we have a slot a partition to manage all these pretty well and that way there is another layer is you know depending upon where they are located in geographical location they need to have access to the data in a secured fashion following all the rules like a hipaa hl7 and one other example i want to give on the ehr workflow is see there are some customers they ask you know can we reduce the time of dealing with patient records so how well you can quickly get the information from the ehr system to the hospital or any labs using dicom so we have done a data extractor and what it does is using any api like a fire api or a service layer using our edi engine quickly transfer the data and make sure it is available readily for our physicians and doctors to act on the patients so this is just an example on the claims data and ehr data and how well we use our electronic data interchange so one of the things if i may follow up with shrini with you is like what i hear you say obviously the scalability and all those things and the security and all that steps are critical but also i think you touched upon like without the context the data has no meaning right i mean we have the expertise because we've been working with over 20 years in the healthcare space we have the context to be able to interpret this data is that a fair statement absolutely i think very well said thanks for bringing up that point pankaj yes because of the domain experience we clearly understand what kind of structure the file will have meaning sometimes we work with a pharmacy chains or a covered entity or a hospital or sometimes you know we directly deal with a switch so the data that flows in has different segments segments is like a tab separated or a comma separated little technical aspects in the file we know exactly what is that segment mean each segment has a denotation you know it has an attribute that maps with a specific parameter in the healthcare world so that is purely the subject matter knowledge and which helps us defining the schema pretty well and from the scalability point of view and in the futuristic purpose it will be useful for governance typically from archival and purging perspective i would like to add one thing which is very important is healthcare says you need to maintain the data for 7 years it should not be even you know archived or purged and after 7 years it goes through archival process so our schema definition in the initial stage because of our understanding of this world helps i think that answers your question pankaj yeah thanks as good senior arun you follow up Yeah the only thing i would like to add is there's another way to look at the different data categories and different problems that each uh, present yeah so you know the operational clinical and payer data are sort of 
where the data originates. That's sort of the way to characterize those three. But another way to look at the different data is that you always have, at the lowest level, you have what I call like raw data. And the challenges are, that are associated with the raw data is things like with the string attached on security of the data, making sure it's not leaked, storage and scale, and of course, the most important being the interoperability. So think of it like a data layer where mm-hmm. the challenges that we as technologists or you know, users of data phase are dealing with security, storage, things like that. The next layer up, if you will, is now that you have all that data in the raw form, looking at it in a more organized and aggregated fashion requires a different set of challenges to be dealt with. So, you know, you deal with visualizing data, worrying about data quality, integrity, and data interoperability. So for, for when you have to organize and aggregate data, then these are some of the challenges that we have to deal with. Then the next layer up now is if you have organized it, now you have to interpret that data in some way, right? And this is where technologies for, you know, time series and trending analysis are used, detecting anomalies, creating sort of alerting and alarming events based on those anomalies so that something can be done about the data. Sort of that is the information layer, as I call it. So again, raw data, organized data, now you're interpreting the data as part of the information layer. And then finally, there is data intelligence activity. You know, it's all good to be able to see things and to be able to trend them. But really, the, the biggest bang for the buck comes when you're able to use the data intelligence to gain knowledge, right? Ultimately, it is about predicting where things are going before they get back or detecting patterns in data and using, as Srini was saying, cross-referencing different data streams to create a context about what's actually happening. So you might get a data stream from clinical side, you might get a data stream from the operational side, but putting it together to see what might be happening in the hospital that we could predict and correct ahead of time. And I'll give you some examples as we go forward. So that's sort of the knowledge layer, right? So that's another way to kind of look at the hierarchy of data, what kind of problems we face at each level and how do we you know use that information to build on the data i think that's a great classification and i would love to have that follow-up discussion between you and Shini. but as you remember like in the first episode when i said like i put myself as a patient and i asked you both like how come i can't get my health data on my phone right so when mm-hmm. you're talking about this classification so this knowledge layer as a patient with all this other stuff claims data technical security scalability that's must do but i as a patient i'm like more excited about this knowledge layer as you characterize it because that's yeah. what i expect from the healthcare system like you be able to predict what going to happen to my health and or educate me like these are the things i should take care of it now right so i think that's a wonderful classification you did so uh, i would love to hear more from you and shini on that uh, this classification it's a wonderful classification yeah i mean it's it's really we're living in very exciting times because the availability of compute resources the ease of or the ubiquitousness of data generation from different sources has really put us at a point, and of course the advances in you know machine learning and artificial intelligence has put us at a point where we can start to think about practical uses of all these data streams and combining them in a way that provides knowledge, just not just to the patient, but also to you know healthcare operators, payers, everyone. Right? Yeah. So I, yeah, I have some examples on how some of these, at least in my experience, that I've seen how some of these actually being used in different aspects of healthcare delivery. 
Sini, you have any input on the way Arun characterized this four categories, raw data, organized, interpreted data, and data intelligence? Absolutely. I'd like to add to Arun's point. See, by the end of the day, you also ask the same question. Okay, I'm sharing my data. I know what data is being collected by the respective parties. What do I get? What do I see? It's all about the visualization. How well you can visualize depending upon the actors, the personas. That's the key for success. That's when we'll differentiate whether you are really drowned in data or you are managing the data in a pretty organized plan fashion. So there are several ways like for a financial accounting, how the healthcare data should be shown or a balanced scorecard, hospital administration, patient eligibility. There are several ways we can create a business intelligent dashboard. We have used softwares like a Power BI or a, a SQL Server. SQL Server reporting service or Tableau. Those are all visualization layer. Finally, the end goal is to for you to see, for everyone, all the personas to see how well the data has been collected and what is the end result and how we need to take it forward. And this is manual fashion. And to Arun's point, how well this can be automated and optimized using the future technology growth from a robotic process automation. So you see, data entry is a nightmare in the healthcare industry. So we cannot have a thousand seater for entering data for one hospital. How well it can be collected using tools like you know Selenium or UiPath using RPA method and future is going to even bots you know without even human interface without even it's more virtual a voice that will be talking to humans to collect the data. So that is more from NLP natural language processing. That is from the data collection to your point and the raw data and how well it will be massaged using various intelligent analytical algorithm and then how will it be presented in the visualization that's great good 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 and everyone i heard yeah, yeah. yeah that reminds me of some uh, you know use cases that i've recently yeah. come across very clever use cases on the operational data you know one of the biggest cost factors for health systems are personnel costs and you can imagine the you know, hospital employing four or five thousand nurses and several other ancillary healthcare workers Scheduling their times based on the amount of patient traffic or based on the amount of census, as they call it, is a very hard task. It's not like everybody shows up 8 to 5 and, you know, they finish their work and go. It, it has to kind of correlate with the amount of patient traffic and the severity of the cases that they're handling. And this stuff used to be a perpetual challenge for all the hospitals until some of these intelligent ML technologies came around, machine learning technologies, where this one company looked at the historic data, both based on you know different days of the week, different months of the year, different weather conditions, and they were able to predict how much traffic, meaning patient traffic, that hospital would see. So they looked at historic 10 years time series data and they were able to look at trends within that time series and they were able to predict like if, if it is, you know, August first week when the schools start and this was somewhere in Madison, you know, they'll have an increased traffic which will lead to increased accidents, which may lead to increased emergency room admissions, which may lead to, you know, higher staffing levels. So being able to predict that was a very useful thing and the hospital was ultimately able to you know, save a lot of money because they didn't have to get people on overtime and, you know, sometimes you have excess demand, sometimes you have excess supply and they were able to balance that quite clearly. So one very easy example of what I call smart staffing. Another example that I saw, this was at Stanford 
where this other company was able to improve their OR, operating room OR turnaround time. There was a particular neurosurgeon who was pediatric neurosurgeon and his time was, you know, he was one of the two in the world or in the country. And he, his time was very hard to schedule. And they wanted to make sure that when his surgeries were scheduled in the operating room, all other surgeries would be put on hold and so that they could optimize the use of his time. And so, again, you can think of it as a multidimensional optimization problem where they looked at how long those surgeries typically took, what were the outlier cases, and how best to make sure that that operating room was always available with the right equipment, with the right trained staff, so that that surgeon could optimally perform surgery. And again, they use machine learning and a lot of historic data analysis to make sure that not only the room was available, but all the supplies that that surgeon needed, all the people that the surgeon would rely on, staff and so forth, were available at the right time so that his surgeries were not delayed. All the other surgeries had to be rescheduled around that time, right? So two very good examples of staffing and also operating room scheduling so that you know you can maximize the revenues from that service line. I think great use cases love it. So it's basically the point I think we hear is like, okay, it is one thing to tell that this is the problem, but the another thing is like to be able to say, okay, this is how you solve the problem, right? Okay. Uh, so, so it's a very nice use cases. And that's what the with this whole data thing and the way characterize and then if things happen, that's where we are heading into. And that's the, where the value will be. And that's where the companies or hospitals or different organizations will be able to either save cost or put an additional revenue thing because now they are providing more value for the data they have, right? Mm-hmm. Shini, anything what Arun said, any your comments, any thoughts? Yes, yes. And see, we talked about the visualization layer and again, yeah. drowning in data. So what is the solution for it? I mean, we talked about various workflow and various layers, how the data gets transformed and it goes and settles down in one place. So what uh, normally the education we give us, you need to think how long the longevity of the data, how well you're going to use it. So data warehouse, I mean, the storage point of view. Mm-hmm. And data warehouse, there are three categories. Is we call it as EDW. That is your data warehouse. That is the top layer. And the next one is operational data store. If you don't want to invest much on the data warehouse, but I would like to have a data store that is called ODS. Mm-hmm. And the next layer is called DM, data mart. That's, I would call it as a data warehouse light version, very light mm-hmm. version of this thing. So there will not be much of cubes and dimensions. Mm-hmm. So this is what will make your data in a much more streamlined fashion. This can help in analytical purpose and predictive analytics to the point that we discussed earlier. That is going to be the future. And for predictive analytics, this kind of partitioning, slotting, and storage is important. And it is very well used. One of the TED Talks, what I've said is the industry is trying to use the data for predicting the cardio attack based on their culture, their lifestyle, their geographical location, the age, and you name various parameters. All these parameters, each one is a data, and that comes from the warehouse. 
and that's the end point i would like to mention that's a great ending and i think the really a good discussion i think we as they said appeal the next layer of onion of we started from the first episode and today uh, in this episode i definitely get to know the hierarchical and different ways of looking at data so it was a great discussion any parting i think we are almost running out of time so any last comments arun and shini you have i'll hand it over to you arun yeah just uh, you know again great conversation thanks for the opportunity and i am really excited about so the practical uses that i'm beginning to see in how all of the different types of data are being used for domain medical imaging in developing new drug therapies and, and even for what's happening right now with the pharmacovigilance and adverse reaction monitoring of all the vaccines that are being generated all of this is happening right now as we speak and all of it is dependent on this set of data problems that we talked about so thank you again sounds good how about you shini yeah absolutely and i would like to end it with we embrace we welcome the technology growth and we embrace it and our healthcare data and healthcare solution is driving towards artificial intelligence machine learning natural language processing and in the whole mix there is a blockchain and it is taking its stride and we are taking head of the market there are several layers of blockchain that is essentially being used to handle the EMR and EHR data like hyperledger ethereum there are various flavors so what i would like to mention is the data traditional way of handling and using it with an advanced technologies and that is the road map and hope it is used well and make sure that it is useful for all the parties for me the key takeaway from today's conversation is that yes health data is huge however today i heard that we will not be drowning in the health data rather make intelligent and predictable decisions impacting people lives ultimately based on the data in addition i love the way arun defined the health data pyramid it makes it much easier to conceptualize the different sets of data thanks again arun and shrini for an open discussion and providing your insights thanks madhura for organizing the event Thank you Pankaj and thanks Arun and Shrini for taking the time again to join us today. This discussion has definitely given our listeners a lot to think about and we will keep it going in our upcoming session to explore challenges in the healthcare domain. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you are looking to accelerate your product engineering, digital transformation and business agility, visit our website www.accelerate.com for more information. Thank you.